What's up, guys? This is Roland Buck III. I play Noah Sexton on Chicago Med, and you're listening to Meet Us at Molly's. Gonna be all sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride. Hey, Shyhards, welcome back to episode 61 of Meet Us at Molly's. Today, we're going to go ahead and cover Chicago Med season three, episode 18, entitled This Is Now. As always, my name is Gina. I'm one of your hosts. I'm joined by Bryna. Hello, everybody. And if you haven't seen yet, we dropped two episodes today. Not just one, but two, because we love you so much. We just had a chat with now recurring guest, friend of the pod, our BFF, whether he likes it or not, Roland Buck Third. You so, mean we dropped it yesterday, Gina? Yes, 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 we dropped it yesterday. Yesterday being Thursday. Yeah. I don't get confused with dates at all, y'all. <laughs> Ever. So, yes, we dropped it yesterday. If you haven't listened to our interview with Roland Buck the Third yet, please go ahead and do so. We had so much fun with him. Yeah. Great conversation. So Great conversation. He's a friend of the pod now. And he also implemented the Roland rule. So, <laughs> going forward, the Roland rule is now in effect. So, as always, we like to start with the news. This was an especially heavy episode of Chicago Med, so we're going to try and keep it as light as possible, but we like to start with the news. There was only one little bit of news this week. Um, TV Line article, Matt's inside line. I think this is, Matt's the same guy who does like the, no, it's he's not the same guy as Ask Osiello. That's that's Michael Osiello. Yeah. Different guy. Whoopsies, my bad. But... Basically, people ask him for scoops, and he delivers. So there were two scoops that were worthwhile today. The first one was that Sam goes through something terrifying, and then Dean freaks Oh, sorry. That's the wrong show. Um, <laughs> I get in my supernatural feel sometimes. I read that after I read the Chicago scoops, and I was like, but Sam! And then I was like, Chicago, Gina, focus. <laughs> focus. So there were two scoops. There was one about Upstead and there was one about Med. And the Upstead one is basically what we always hear that, you know, they're friends, they respect each other, they're colleagues, blah, blah, blah. And then further I don't understand down the line. How, I, sorry, I don't understand how they can, people can keep asking about Upstead when we literally, at least this season, like nothing's happening, they're done. Like, wait till next season. I don't think anything will happen again then but still just like let it be on the back burner for a while like stop beating the horse it's already dead right I don't know how many things how many different ways they can say they're just friends and they're just colleagues they're just colleagues but Rick I did say that he's open to exploring what may lie ahead in future seasons it's basically the same thing we've been hearing all year right I mean I'm just saying you know it's clear it's not happening this season but no, thankfully, because we've only got two PDs left. One by the time you guys listen to this. Yeah, one. This is the finale. One. Oh, that makes me so sad. Ugh. But the men finale, basically, they said that there's basically a big, something big happens between Connor and Ava professionally. And it also says that there's a cliffhanger. But the way that the article phrased it made it sound like the cliffhanger was going to be professionally between Connor and Ava. I don't think that's quite the case. But, yeah, I don't know. Any guesses on the med finale cliffhanger? I don't even... I don't even know. And I'm just We like, obviously know Dr. Charles is not getting shot this time. Right. I don't know if anyone will get shot or, you know, be physically hurt. Um... I don't know. I mean, we know Roland told us told us in his interview. Roland's not in this in these last two episodes, so there's nothing regarding Noah, nothing regarding romantically, at least for Sarah, um, which is a travesty, by the way. No, si yeah, I know. No six sexton sibling scenes. Nothing sexton siblings related. I don't. I don't know. It's not cool. It's it's really not cool that Roland's not in these last two episodes, um, but. We're yeah. BFF now. We protect our BFFs. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. The surprise twist with Manstead, like, could that be the cliffhanger? I just, yeah. I feel like it's gotta be. 
And I mean, we're going to talk about what happened with Manstead tonight, but like, I feel like this is clearly setting up for whatever that, I mean, the fact that they reunite, well, reunited in loose terms, but like very loose terms. Natalie is appreciative of Will and something Will did for her. And, you know, Will wasn't selfish in that moment. Will was selfless and did something for Natalie. And so I feel like that's going to start changing things and at least how she sees things. And I don't know, like, again, I don't know what this man said surprises, but I clearly last night set up what's going on for Manstead, I feel like, or started the balls rolling for that. Are you emotionally ready for these three finales? Because I am not. No, the fact they're next week. I, nope. How did we get to this point? Didn't these seasons just start, like, yesterday? Well, especially for Med. I mean, Med literally started November 20-something. Like, right before Thanksgiving. Right. Yeah. Which was, like, last week. Right. Good God. Yeah. I can't Time believe... Wise. Yeah, I mean, May's here. June's gonna be here before we know. Like, what the fuck? What is happening? Oh, my God. Uh, we're going to be partying in Austin and talking about all the other shows we watch. I know. Ashley and I have birthdays in July. Not July. June. <laughs> I don't even know why I just said July. I meant Wait, Ashley's June. a June baby too? How did yeah. I not know that? She's like two-ish weeks before me. Oh, my God. I'm the worst friend. I'm like, you're both <laughs> June babies? Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm a terrible friend. But yay for both of you turning 23 i was 23 once a very very long time ago <laughs> 23 once once i know the wine's kicking in y'all i'm sorry um but yeah so i i'm not i'm not ready for these finales i'm really not and just yeah not ready not yeah. ready for hiatus i'm not ready for our favorite people being in limbo for all these months i know i know but we are planning our hiatus coverage and, you know, we're going to have some fun because the shows aren't on. So, yeah. Yeah, we're going to cover some old episodes. We're going to cover shows we watch. We're going to do some Apparently we're going to do a night shift episode because last night I made a night shift reference on our Twitter and everybody was talking about the night shift and how much they loved it. So clearly we're going to do a night shift episode because... Yeah, we planned a crossover between Med and Night Shift back in the day. <laughs> we really and- did. Like, we had that story broken. Like, they could have come to us and we would have been like, listen, this is your script for the Med Night Shift crossover. Yeah, that was after, that was like fall 2016. Because that was after Med, no, after Night Shift ended season three. Yeah, oh my god, three. TC would have loved Dr. Troy. Yeah, save it for the episode, Gina. Oh my god, so Save it good. for the episode. I miss the night shift, okay? I know. I do, too. Especially now that summer's coming and it, we're not going to have a night shift. I'm just like, oh, my God. So, oh, my God. We're, it, summer is coming and we're not going to have the night shift. What? How? What? It's been almost a year since last summer. How did that happen? <laughs> I, yeah. I know. This does not compute. I know. Oh, my God. Okay. Anyway, so... As always, if you see any news, please send it to us. Over hiatus, we know that the news is going to be kind of few and far between, but like still, if you see an article you want us to talk about it, just send it to us because, yeah, we're not leaving you guys alone in the summer. We'll be here during the summer. So, all right, let's jump into the episode, shall we? Yeah. This was like a very, very emotionally supercharged one. So when we were talking to Roland earlier slash yesterday, he had mentioned, as well as Norma Cooling, who plays Ava, she had tweeted as well. The day they started filming this was the day after the shooting in Florida. Yeah. So this is like a very – this is what I love that Med's been doing this season is that they're not shying away from the real-world topics. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, obviously that's just a coincidence that it happened like that. But I know Roland was talking about how it played, you know, it weighed on their minds while they were shooting. And, you know, it took them a little bit longer to shoot this episode than the other episodes. So, yeah, it's just, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. And I I was just telling you before we started recording, obviously we record this a couple days before we actually release it. But um, there was a news story that dropped today that, you know, local police were able to stop a plan that was in place by a student in my area who went to the same high school that I did. And he was planning a mass shooting in the mall that I worked at for five years as a teenager. So, I mean, that's like, that's really scary because it just goes to show that this could literally happen to any of us at 
any time. Yeah. Yeah. It's scary. It's scary. It's really scary. I mean, yeah. yeah. It's just, I mean, and like, we, I mean, we're not trying to get all like political or anything, but you know, like you said, it can happen to any one of us. I've been in a fake, I mean, it ended up being nothing, but like in a like scenario like that. And it's like one of the scariest things, like moments of my life. Wait, what? I don't know this story. Yeah. So my freshman year of college, so back in 2013, um, it was finals week. We, you know, I was on my like first day of finals. So literally like my first ever college finals fall semester, um, we got alerts through our like campus thing that there was supposedly a shooter on campus, someone with a gun, whatever, you know, lockdown, stay safe, like stay in your rooms, whatever. I was by myself in my room because my roommate was in a final or something. Like people were taking finals while this was happening. Like this was the whole thing. Ended up being just like off-duty cop who was like coming to visit and like had his gun on him, but like total so it was like totally fake in the end, but like the scariest like hour of my life. Oh my god. Yeah, and they had to like reschedule finals. And then we also had a snowstorm during those finals. So like people didn't even take like half their finals. Like it was insane. Yeah. But yeah, it's like a scare. I mean, it's just, it's a really scary moment. And so I'm I really I'm and like I, I mean, Roland was talking about you know, people don't tend to think about what hospitals and people, you know, doctors and when, you know, the victims get taken somewhere, what those people are going through. And I think they did a really good job of showcasing this. I was tweeting last night that I think this is Med's best episode, if not, if not their solely best episode, but if one of their best for sure episodes of the season. And this is what I love about this universe so much is how they tackle these real world issues head on. They don't care about making it PC or, you know, making it so that it doesn't offend anybody. These are real world issues that happen every day and they tackle them honestly. Yeah. And I like that. I was talking to a friend earlier today when that that plot about the, the kid in my area had broken and... My friend Jordan, who's a very good friend, I love her to pieces. Um, she'll be at ATX Festival with us. Jordan, too. Jordan, we love Jordan so much. Um, but in 2016, we were at the festival in Austin when the Orlando nightclub shooting happened, and that was 2016, right? Not 2015. No, it was 2016. 2016, yeah. And so the morning after it happened, that was the Sunday morning of ATX Festival. And Sunday morning of ATX Festival is very, very laid back. Everybody just kind of moves at their own pace. You know, we're just, it's a very relaxed morning. Except and I feel like for this year, it's not going to be, but that's a whole different conversation. That's a whole different conversation. The schedule's crazy, but we're so excited for ATX. Oh my God. But Jordan and I were walking that morning and, you know, everybody had heard the news. We basically woke up to the news and we're like, oh, my God, what happened? And Jordan and I were walking and I remember I turned to Jordan and I said, listen, it's only a matter of time before this happens to someone we know, somewhere we know, or even happens to us. Yeah. And less than a month later was the shooting in downtown Dallas in my area where I worked. Yeah. And I couldn't get into my office for three days. And you couldn't so get in your office for three days? I could not get into my office for three days because the building I worked in was like, basically the shooter had holed himself up in a college located downtown. I could see that college from the window of my office. Oh. So my area, I could not get into my office for three days. The shooting happened on a Thursday. We didn't get into the office again until Wednesday of the next week. Wow. Yeah, and so seeing my building on the news and seeing that, you know, a cop had been killed from my vantage point in my office was absolutely chilling. And so when these horrible, horrible things happen in the country, you know, I'm always taken back to that conversation and the feelings that I felt the night of that shooting, watching the news, thinking, oh my God, I'm, that's, that's, the way I walk to go to lunch, that's the way I walk up to the building every day. Yeah, I'm the same way. I mean, I think about the, like that week, well, that night especially, but also just that week in general of finals. But yeah, I think about that first semester all the yeah. time. Yeah, so this was an episode that definitely kind of maybe put everything into perspective. Is there a better way to phrase that? Yeah, no, I think that, I mean, I think that's right. I think it just, I mean, it hit home. There's, unfortunately, I feel like there's a lot of people who can relate to this and 
in some way, whether you're the victim or you're the person, the family member that's waiting to hear news about somebody, or if you're a doctor, unfortunately, especially in a big city, this is probably your reality all the time. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It's so crazy. I had something to say off of that and I forgot what I was going to say. Shit. I hate when that happens. So the episode opens and Emily is volunteering at med. Somewhere along the way, she started volunteering because, yeah. Why not? So Ethan tells April, he's like, she won't see it through. Like, she's going to get grossed out. She's going to hate it here. And April's like, "Mm, give her a chance. Wait a second. So Will brings up to Natalie that they bought tickets for The Revivalist next weekend. What is The Revivalist? Am I I supposed to know what that is? It's okay. a band. I didn't. I meant to Google it, and I thing? just didn't. I I feel terrible for not knowing who they are. I'm going to Google this right now. I'm in the sweet spot with the wine right now, so <laughs> yeah. The revivalist. Oh, it's a band. It's, it's yeah. A band. I had a feeling it was a band. I don't know what they sing. Um, I'm old. They are. I don't know. Uh, they're an American rock band formed in New Orleans, Louisiana, in 2007. Cool. So. Yeah. They sound great. I will listen to them once we're done recording. But yeah, so Natalie's like, yeah, you should go to the concert. Take Jay. And Will goes, I'm not going on a date with my brother. Meanwhile, the whole fandom is like, no, go. Like, yeah. go on a date with your brother. We would we love to see this. Yeah, we had a question in our, I mean, just in our mentions this morning about Jay and Will bonding. And I was like, yeah, need more of it all the time. All for Jay and Will bonding. All for it. All for it. Do you and your brother hang out now that you're adults? I mean, granted, I know you're both in different locations, so that's hard. But, like, when you're home, do you guys hang out? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's something that started taking place, like, in high school. Like, when I was a late driver, I did not drive until after high school. But, like, when he started driving to school, so, like, my last year of high school, we used to hang out all the time. That's awesome. How far apart are you guys? Uh, we are 14 months. Oh, so not that much. Okay. Yeah. I, I've always imagined that Will and Jay are like five years apart. I think they are five years apart at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But no, we're very close in age. We're, yeah. So. That's awesome. That's awesome. My sister's 13 years older than me and we've always lived in separate places. But I would like to think that if we lived closer, We'd we hang would hang out. out. Yeah. I like to think that, but I, you know, I could be wrong. But, yeah, so Goodwin is talking to Lawyer Dude. She even says his name point blank in this episode. She says it like a bunch, and I still I know, and I let it go in one ear and out the other. I was like, whatever. She's like, hey, there's Lawyer Dude. She said his name, like, multiple times. I know. And she's telling him, she's like, no, we need more money for a CT machine. And all of a sudden, because they're having this conversation in, like, the ambulance bay, Cops roll up, and they've got a ton of victims in their car, and they basically say that some lunatic opened fire with an automatic rifle in Millennium Park, and there are a lot of victims incoming. Bryna, do you know Millennium Park in Chicago? We went there. I was going to say, yeah, we were sort of there. I don't know if you remember <laughs> no, I that. Know, I know exactly where it is, yeah. Okay. So when we went to the Bean back in March, I pointed out to Bryna, I was like, listen, this area over here is where Aaron met Yates that night. And that whole area, I believe, is considered Millennium Park, right? Yeah. With, like, the yeah. ice skating rink and, yeah, yeah, yeah. That whole area is Millennium Park. That whole area. So you can only imagine during a block party how many people were there. Yeah. And they even pointed out, you know, it's not only is it a block party, but it's a weekend with tourists and, yeah. you know, thousands yeah. of people are probably there. And that's our teaser is just, hey, this is the situation. There's victims in all these hot cars. This is what we're dealing with. It's chilling. Yeah. Because it's real life. I mean, this is what we deal with now. This is our world. Yeah. And I mean, just like you said, just it's a chilling image to see all the different cop cars. Pull. Like the fact that cop cars are bringing in victims because there's so many victims and there's so many people who need just like immediate medical attention is just it was a very chilling image. And I think a very powerful image to start the episode off with. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Brian, go ahead. You can talk. okay so that was a terrible thing to say you can talk but you know what I mean no I know so like we said what an opening sequence then suddenly everyone just starts to spring into action so Noah comes in he's working on a young girl on a gurney and whatever and he's like oh let's I don't remember what 
medical procedure, he said, but let's do something. And then Stoll stops him immediately before he can start treating her because, and he's like telling him, you know, this is a mass casualty protocol. Like things are different. And Goodwin's like, you know, save the living Dr. Sexton. Like you got to move on from her. Like she's not coming back. And did that not like completely like shake you? I was just thinking in that situation, I was like, oh my God. So if, if I'm in one of these situations where one of these mass, like mass shootings happen and I'm like, not great, but, you know, they're just going to pass me off as dead. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking back to a fire episode. <sighs> Jeff Hefner was on. So I want to say that's season two, right? When Jeff two was on. Two or one. Yeah. One or two. Um, I think it's two. But so there's the episode where there's like a train that runs into some building or whatever. And there's like all these victims and stuff. And... One Jeff like brings over a guy to like the mats because they have them all like laid out on the grass and like one's you know red tag I don't remember yellow whatever and they have to bring in like a trauma surgeon from Lakeshore because you know they have a lot of things patients that need to be seen and so the trauma surgeon tells him the same thing he's like you know like there's no use in saving this guy you should take change him to a black tag or whatever even though he's still technically alive but like I just remember that scene. And, like, they did the same thing on fire with all their mass casualty stuff. That's so scary. I mean, but at the same time, like, I mean, it is scary. And it is, like, in one way, it is a shitty way of looking at things. Like, the fact that you can't, like, you shouldn't, you're not trying to save this person. But, like, at the same time, it is, like, where do you put your resources towards? Like, someone who has, and again, this sounds so shitty to say, but, like, someone who does have, a better chance of survival and is going to make it like you'd rather save the most people yeah and sometimes you just have to pick and choose and it's gonna suck but like that is what it is that's why I'm glad they did this episode because Roland was right when we talked to him and he said he's like you never see this from the first responder's point of view right so I'm glad they did this episode to kind of show us their perspective and everything. And we should definitely ask Jeff about this when we talk to him. Well, and I'm glad the way they did it, and we're going to talk about this more, but I think going off of that, especially because we're talking about Noah, like I'm glad they showed us the different perspectives of the different levels of doctors. So like you have Noah's perspective as a young, you know, brand new first year resident who doesn't really know and has probably never dealt with a situation like this. But then you also have someone who's a little bit more experienced in trauma, like Connor, who over his attending and his boss, like Latham, you know, knows what to do in this situation, whatever. You've got Troy with his military experience and how that plays into this. You've got Reese and Dr. Charles and they're no, I mean, they don't deal with trauma and, you know, whatever. But the fact that they have to jump in and help, like, I, the fact that they have the different kinds of perspectives, too, I think is what also makes this episode really work on a lot of levels. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So like I said, speaking of Sarah and Dr. Charles, they even have to start helping in with all the victims coming in because there's so many. And Maggie even has a line at that point, one point, Goodwin's like, how many people can we take? And Maggie's like 16 yellows, uh, like four reds. I don't remember the numbers, but you know, they're really not prepared to hold that many victims, but there's just so many people coming in that they need all hands on deck. So Natalie and Will are working in the same just kind of area or whatever. And Natalie tells Will as they're working on patients side by side that Owens Nini sometimes takes him down there to Millennium Park to ride scooters. And Will just reassures her that, you know, they're probably fine. And Natalie's like, yeah, I mean, I guess. But like, and she just kind of lets it go. But like, yeah. Then Connor and Ava finally show up after what feels like forever, but really is only like two or three minutes. But like, it feels like forever that it takes Connor and Ava to show up. And they're just kind of like, holy shit. Um, you notice how they came down the elevator as if to be like, we're slummited in the ED today. Well, Connor, not necessarily because Connor has his, but Ava kind of. Yeah. Um, like, but the Connor's like, we need to prioritize surgical candidates. Where are they? Nagy's like everywhere. Like, I got nothing for you. You just got to find them. And then Choi had been working on a patient, a male with, I don't even remember, all kinds of injuries. And he loses his patient. I mean, this is within the, like, first five minutes of the episode. Choi loses his patient. And then the last shot, really, of the opening is, like, the ambulance bay. Filled, like, the last shot of the opening, like, ten minutes, is the ambulance bay being filled with, like, at least a dozen 
ambulance is bringing in more patients. So, like, we know that it's going to be a tough night because the ED is just going to be flooded with people. It's crazy. Yeah. So, Choi is working on this patient. I mean, this guy's got a hole in his neck from a bullet. Rose Please tell me you had Grey's Anatomy flashbacks. Yes. Seth Green, do you remember? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I did. I have, a, <laughs> I have a different frame of reference from, like, personal things, but yes. Wait, what? It's just, like, that's a conversation for a different, not with a bullet, though, but, like, that's a different conversation. I'll tell you later. <laughs> this is a drunk conversation for my second time in D.C. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Rhodes comes in to check on him, but he can't even take him into surgery yet because everything's so swamped. There's no OR available, whatever. And so Rhodes leaves the trauma bay or whatever. And, but of course, not before he can make it known to Goodwin that like, this is not working, like not happening. So then Choi pops up with a suggestion and he suggests an assembly line idea where there's zones in the ED rather than just like patients staying in one place. The doctors would stay in one place and the patients would move. Um, and I, I mean, this clearly has to be something he saw in the military. Like, it, you know, just his background in that, like it clearly has to be something. And like we said, Choi would just have been the perfect fit on the night shift. We're going to do a whole episode about that this summer. Like the night shift, our future crossover, our, I, not our future because it doesn't exist anymore, but our crossover idea that we had. Yeah. He really, but like only Choi would have worked at San Antonio Memorial. Like everybody else would have been like, this hospital is so small. How do you guys do this? No, we would have, we said, well, from the hospital standpoint, but like Rhodes with his international um, experience, I don't know what to call it, his aid experience. Is that what he did? Well, okay. He went to med school in Guadalajara, right? And then didn't he volunteer in. Africa or was that Will? That was Will. I think that's Will. But I mean, I feel like Choi. I mean, not Choi. Like outside of Choi, Rose would have been the one that worked the best on over there because he would have gotten along great with TC. I feel like too, in some ways. Oh my God, could you imagine a crack ship with Connor and Jordan? <sighs> oh my God, I'd actually kind of be here for that. Oh my god, it would be so good. I'd actually be here for that. And then Mark Consuelos' character would get super jealous. Oh my god, I forgot about Mark Consuelos. Yeah, man. Oh my god, no. Fuck, although um, Kenny kind of... Kenny ended up... How did season four end? Did Kenny actually get married? Kenny was engaged to What's-Her-Face's sister. Oh, to... Um, to Paul's sister. To Paul's sister. But think about if we're talking about another crack ship. Think about Kenny and Maggie. Holy shit. That's the ship I never knew I needed in my life. Bring oh J.R. Lemon into bed. Oh my god, yes! Can we start that campaign, please? Bring J.R. Lemon to med? Oh, hell yes. Please? Oh, I'm so here for that. And then when Atwater wants to, like, make his move, he's like, who is this? Oh my god. And just, I mean, not that I think about everything in terms of diversity, but just the diversity of that love triangle with, like, the fact that they're all African-American. Like, oh, my God. Okay, so wait. So who is J.R. Lemon's character? He's, like, a hotshot doctor? Or is he still a Merce? Or, like, what is he? No, he's got to be a Merce because that would fit well with Maggie being the head, the nurse at... So many things. Oh, we need to write this down. Oh, my God. <laughs> We're pitching the best crossover right now. We really are, though. We really are. Oh, my God. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, so Night Shift episode definitely coming this summer. If you have not watched the Night Shift yet, all four seasons are on Netflix. Just Is get the on fourth it, season on Netflix? I would like to think so. If it's not, it's got to be on NBC.com, no? I don't know, but definitely the first three are. It is the most underrated medical show. It really is, though. So good. Anyway, so Choi suggests this assembly line idea. Goodwin's all for it. She's like, that's a great idea. But Stoll, of course, is pissed about bending protocol. because. But Goodwin, you know, reminds him. He's, she's like, we weren't set up for this. Like, this isn't working. Like, we've got to do something else. But Stoll is also pissed that she opens the medication room because nurses aren't being able to get back to different areas in time if they have to keep going and scanning their cards in and, you know, like getting into the room 
So Goodwin's just like, I'll leave it open, whatever. But Stoll's pissed because that means anyone can take what they want from the medication room and not have it be tracked and, you know, not be charged for it later on. Which, stolen his fucking protocol, but whatever. Like, how jaded do you have to be to be worrying about that in the middle of a mass shooting? You're just so trained to think about business first. That sucks. Yeah. I would never want to be so beaten down and jaded by a job that, like, the humanity part of me was pushed down so hard that I forgot about it, you know? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I think that, I mean, I think Stoll's just been conditioned for the business side of it a little bit more than he has the patient's, patient care, bedside manner yeah. side. Yeah. Um, so... Again, this is just this whole episode is there's not many scenes, and again, we did it just by the whole episode rather than storylines. So it just kind of goes from scene to scene to scene. So like, apologies ahead if there's like, you know, a little bit of flashing forward to like all these different characters, and we don't re- the transitions aren't as great. Um, so the girls then all of a sudden are working on a little boy, like all the girls, April, Natalie, Ava, Maggie, like they're all working on this little boy. That gets brought in by just a civilian. He has no parents or whatever. And Natalie, of course, at first thinks it's Owen because she's still got Owen on her brain. But unfortunately, they're not even they're not able to save him. He's too far gone. So Nat, of course, starts freaking out about Owen. But of Ava, of all people, who calms her down. This was a good like girl power moment, though. It was. It was such a good girl power moment. And Ava said the right thing in this moment. She's I don't um I don't have it written down, so I can't say it word for word but it's just you know something about like you know it's everything's gonna be okay you know you just gotta focus on what you're doing here but everything's gonna be okay so I'm just gonna put on my season four wish list that I would like to see Ava working more with the women in the ED here for that yes I want to see her collaborate with Nat and Maggie and Miss Goodwin and Sarah she would be a good mentor for Sarah she would but I also think it's a moment like this, like, Ava really up until this point has never been shown to have, like, a heart. And in this moment, she does. And I think that was just, in terms of character growth and character development, I think this is a really important moment. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Because she's always competing against Connor. And now that she's in the ED, she's actually supporting her colleagues. Yeah. So it's just, I feel like we've, as the season's gone on, we've seen more of the softer side of Ava. Agree. Yeah. Agree. But so going off of this too, I mean, April ends up having to take the boy to a makeshift morgue because the morgue is full. That's how many victims and unfortunately people have passed are coming in. Um, and it, I mean, that scene where April takes the boy to this makeshift morgue, I mean, it's sad as fuck. Like it's, Oh my God. It was brutal. Yes. Can I tell you why this did not phase me though? Why? Okay. So this is another ATX Festival story and this is why ATX Festival is like the absolute best. So it was either 2015 or 2016, and I want to say it was 2016, but I sat in on a panel with Dennis Leary, another creator from Rescue Me, and a couple of other people, and the panel was about the impact of 9-11 on storytelling. And it was one of the best panels I've been at at ATX before, but there were there was nobody there, which like blows my mind. Really? But, Really, there was hardly anybody there. We fast passed. There were maybe like 30, 40 people there. Blows my mind because this panel was incredible. So they started the panel and the first thing they asked everybody was, where were you on 9-11? And so, you know, the creator of Rescue Me, he, sh- he shared his story that they were shooting on a beach and they were able to see everything from a distance. Well, Dennis Leary tells his story and he was playing hockey at Chelsea Piers. And which wasn't far from where everything had happened. And so they they eventually moved them off the ice so that they could use it as a makeshift morgue. Is that not the most like mind blowing thing you've ever heard? Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And that was the first question of the panel. So April brings this boy to this like makeshift morgue. And I was just like, oh my God, this is just like the story I heard Dennis Leary tell. Wow. Yeah. And it just, I, it goes back to, you know, this is the world we live in now where really, really scary things happen. Yeah. yeah. But it also kind of, I don't know, it kind of brings it back to how 
so many bad things happen in this world that some of these things we're almost desensitized to. Mm hmm. Yeah. It's unfortunate, but it's true. It's, we're definitely desensitized to a lot of important things that happen in the world. But it's really scary. Yeah. Yeah. But that's what this, that's what Med did so well in this episode is that it, you know, kind of smacked us in the face with this real world issue. Yeah. Yeah. So Dr. Charles, again, like you said, it's all hands on deck. So Dr. Charles is helping out and he starts talking to this man named Roger who apparently saw the shooter or is like kind of mumbling to himself. You know, Dr. Charles is really trying to figure out what he saw, but he might've seen the shooter probably did. Um, but he's just in shock. So Dr. Charles is trying to work with him, but also this man named Trevor, who's like right next door or whatever. But Trevor has another, Trevor also has a hole in his neck because hello, that's what happens when bullets start flying. Um, and Trevor is totally okay with dying because his wife was killed earlier that morning. And apparently their last conversation with, was a fight. And so now he feels guilty about it. And yeah. So this is what Dr. Charles is working with. Then we go back to Connor and Ava. And like I said, they're seeing patients in this one area, you know, trying to see who needs surgery like as soon as possible. So they finally get a patient who like basically like needs surgery as soon as possible, like ASAP. However, the OR is still packed. And so the only option is the doctor's round. And Ava is like shook. She's like, we can't do that. That's ridiculous. Like, what the fuck is going on? Connor's like, I'll take it. <laughs> so I love how Connor's, Connor's like, cool. Yeah, Connor's like, we'll go for it. So Connor's going to go do surgery in the doctor's lounge. And so he does that. Latham finally shows up to help. And Latham goes over to Ava and like, where's Connor? And she's like, he's doing surgery in the doctor's lounge. So Latham goes in and Connor's like, I, this is our only option. Like, he needs surgery. Like, I really need your help. And then he, Noah also gets roped in despite his, like, three hours total of surgical experience. My favorite part was when um, Rhodes mentions Noah and Noah, like, pops up and he's like, huh? <laughs> like, <laughs> did you say me? Like, did you say Noah? Like, are you sure Did that somebody say Noah? Right. Um, but yeah, Gina, do you want to take it from there? Yeah, sure. So Jay pops up. Hey, Jay. I did Hi. not realize Jay was in this episode. I didn't realize he was going to be in it as much as he was. I don't think I remember Jay being in this episode. But Jay shows up with two random undercover guys. Maybe one of these guys is the one he punched in a rabbit hole. Well, someone suggested, I mean, one of our listeners, I think it was Jennifer. I think she said, like, I think that's one of one of them was because they look familiar. And I said I would go back and look and I just didn't get the chance. So many callbacks this year. I think, I mean, so I'd have to double check. That might be wrong, but it could be that. Yeah. So Jay pops up and he suggests that one of the patients might be the shooter. And Goodwin's like, what is happening out there? And Jay just says, people are scared. So Natalie asks Jay if he can look for Owen. But Jay's like, mm, we're exes. That's weird. No, I'm just kidding. That's a terrible thing to say. <laughs> um, <laughs> Let's edit that out because Gina's a terrible person. So Natalie asks Jay if he can look for Owen and Jay's like, listen, there's a lot of stuff happening. He's like, I've got to focus on the shooter. Yeah, I'll do what I can, but I've got to focus on the shooter. So Will suggests that she should go home, but she won't even think about it. She just looks at him and she's like, how can I leave? And so during surgery, Latham is trying to do everything the normal way. But Connor is just trying to do what's necessary to keep the guy alive. Connor's kind of in survival mode and Latham's in like, let's do a perfect surgery mode. Yeah. And so Connor's finally like, listen, Dr. Latham, like this is damage control. Stop the bleeding. Stop the spillage. Move on to the next patient. Just kind of puts it in perspective, you know? Yep. So Sarah interacts with a mother who's looking for her son. And I think this is happening in what, the waiting room? Yeah. Yeah. So Sarah tells her, she's like, oh, wait, but I've seen this guy. Like, he's fine. He just has a broken arm. So then we go further into the waiting room. And Emily tells Maggie that the nurse in the waiting room needs help. 
So Maggie gets an idea and basically starts training Emily and a couple of the more able victims to help do the simple stuff like stop the bleeding. So she just says, she's like, go be sharks, find some blood. It's a bad pun, but we will take it, Maggie. It's okay. I love that line. I know. I love it. A little bit of humor in what is otherwise a very dark episode. Very, very dark. Yeah. So Maggie notices one sketchy guy who says no to helping and just he she immediately goes and tells Jay and Goodwin. And this is the guy who was being real cagey with the bag, right? Yes. Yeah. There was one guy who like immediately stepped up. But this guy's like super cagey and he's got the bag. And so Jay and the undercovers go out into the waiting room and they're like CPD. Like we need to talk to you. The guy's like, oh, hell no. Somehow this guy thinks running back into the ED is, like, a great idea. Clearly has never seen an episode of any one of these shows. For real, right? Because Choi goes ninja and smashes him into a gurney. Choi's just like, and redirected. Yep. Yeah. So they go through his bag. He was just a thief, not the shooter. Still a crime, but, like, not the crime they were looking for. Yep. So Sarah ends up learning that the teenager she thought was okay actually ended up dying, which this breaks my heart because wasn't he just waiting for an x-ray? Yeah, something like that. But then Ava's already working on him and somehow it turned way worse, way fast. That breaks my heart that like he could have in theory survived. Yeah. Oh, this episode, I tell you. So then Dr. Charles's patient, Roger, thinks that one of the Good Samaritans helping people in the waiting room might be the shooter. So Dr. Charles agrees and he's like, hey, the patient was way too overly enthusiastic to help out. Is this the young guy in the waiting room? Yeah, it's the young Samaritan guy. The like, yeah, like yeah. 20 something. Yeah. Yeah. So this guy's like super young, over eager. Dr. Charles is like, yeah, I kind of agree with you. So Jay comes back with a name on the shooter. It's Trent Harris. He's 43. He's fr- he found a registered AR-15 found at the scene. And Dr. Charles overhears Jay talking about how they found another body at the guy's house and that he shot his wife. Something they did in this episode that I loved was that, I mean, we were bouncing around with our focus on the shooter. It was one guy. No, it was another guy. No, it was that guy. No, maybe it was this guy. Like, they didn't kind of linger. They bounced around to keep us on our toes. Yeah. But I think, I mean, I will say, I think, I agree, and I think they did a really good job with that, because I really thought for a second, once they changed the Good Samaritan, like, to the focus on the Good Samaritan, someone pointed out a line on Twitter that the Good Samaritan, that guy that they focus on, he has a line where he says, you know, blood doesn't phase me or something like that, and I was like, holy shit, it's definitely the Good Samaritan guy, like, what are we talking about? And then, because I had originally thought it was the guy it ends up actually being, and then they switched to the Good Samaritan, I was like, holy shit, it is the Good Samaritan. So I think they did a really good job. My only thing was, like, kind of once they figure out who it is, it seemed to be really fast, like, once they, like, kind of nail it down, just the whole thing with, like, they find him, whatever, like that, like that whole part I thought was a little too rushed. I would have liked that to have been drawn out a little bit more. But yeah, I do think they did a good job of like shifting focus on who you thought it might be. Well, and once they found out who it was, wasn't he already in surgery or he was like headed to surgery? Well, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it in a second. But yeah. Yeah. So Dr. Charles agrees. Jay comes back with the name. Dr. Charles overhears that he shot his wife. So Dr. Charles immediately goes to check on Trevor, his patient, but Trevor's gone. And Dr. Charles ends up finding him over by one of the ambos. So he finds him, he and Nat treat him. And as they're about to take him to surgery, Jay turns to Connor and he's like, listen, don't let him off the hook by dying. Oh, Jay. This is why we love you is because you say things like that. So once Natalie finds out that this is the shooter, she still can't get hold of her son and his nanny. So when Natalie finds out that this was the shooter, she unleashes on Dr. Charles. And she's like, we're struggling to keep innocent victims alive and you pull us away to take care of this monster. And she just kind of walks away and Dr. Charles is just kind of speechless. Yeah. Yeah. So Connor's successful, which means that this guy can end up rotting in jail. So I guess for once Connor's god complex came in handy? 
Yeah, but I really wish, though, and this is, like, my one little tiny, tiny, tiny critique of the episode. Because, again, I, like I said, I thought they'd done a really good job. I think, especially because of the way Natalie reacts to it, I think they could have done a little bit more. And this is what I was saying, like, in terms of drawing out once they got the shooter and, like, they have it ID'd right, I think they could have drawn it out. I think they could have done a little bit more on the idea of, like, okay, well, this guy is the person that, you know, shot up all of Millennium Park, shot his wife earlier, whatever. Like, how do I feel about saving him? Like, I think they could have done a little bit more with that and having Connor deal with those emotions. Um, but instead, they just kind of went and they were like, okay, yeah, the guy survived, whatever. Connor, you know, got out of surgery. So, yeah. That would have been my only, like, thing I would have liked to see a little bit more of was dealing with that dynamic after they find him. Yeah, yeah drag out the feels make us really really feel that yeah yeah so natalie gets a text message i guess on her apple watch that she has i'm guessing this is an apple watch but yeah she gets a text she runs outside and will gets out of a cop car with owen this when is did like, will leave i know when did will leave but oh my god this moment and then little tiny owen gets out and he's like mommy like oh my god just yeah yes so owen runs to natalie natalie's just so relieved and will gets out and natalie's like how did you do that and will's just like yeah i had jay make some calls they went to the 51st district so they went to like another police district and i guess he went to the 51st to pick them up oh my oh, heart my God. i know i know i know what i love 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 so much about this is that like Will isn't trying to kind of grovel his way back into Nat's life. He's not being like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. He's showing her this is how much I love you. Right. Like, I still clearly care about you. Yeah. Yeah. And so Natalie just kind of, like, cuddles up to Will and Will just kind of hugs them both. And somebody tweeted a gif of it today. Today being Wednesday? Wednesday. Whatever day we record. But, yeah. Wednesday. Today is Wednesday. Somebody tweeted a gif of it and was like, Will Halstead protecting his family. And I was like, oh, my God, fuck me up. For real, though. For real, though. For real, though. It is a step in the right direction. And I like that Will is showing how much he loves her instead of just saying Saying it. Agree. 100% agree. Yeah. So sweet. So, so sweet. So April and Ethan finally have a moment to themselves and they try to kind of debrief. And so April's like, this day's been crazy. And Ethan just says, he's like, well, the crazy thing is, is that it's the most gratifying day I've ever had as a doctor. And I don't know what to feel. So I, there must have been a scene here where April just kind of consoled him because there was a picture that somebody tweeted today of April just like kind of like cradling Choi's head. So she must have been like really, he must have been really upset about it. When I think, I mean, this line is like what sealed this episode for me. I was like, wow. Because, I mean, that is a thing that I've never even thought about. The fact that, like, as a doctor, I it does feel gratifying. I mean, you know, it feels good to be saving all these people alive. But at the same time, you know, everyone that you just saved has experienced some horrible traumatic event. Yeah. And, like, you, you know, were in part of it. You were part of it in some small way. But, like, at the same time, you do feel good that you just saved all these people that you did. And I think the fact that they brought up that dynamic in the first place is not something I've ever even thought of. But, I, I mean, that's, this line is what, like, sealed it for me, this episode. For sure. For sure. Definitely showed a viewpoint that we don't often see. No. It's really good. And I don't think I've ever seen that one. For sure. For sure. No. Ever. Ever, ever. And you never see that kind of, like, I don't think conflictedness is a word. But you never see that from... Choi, you never see that from him. No. Yeah. So for him to be vulnerable like that and kind of admit that, that's pretty poignant. Yeah. Well, and plus, I feel like it's almost reflective of the way we all feel after one of these tragedies occur. Because I know after Florida, I mean, I was upset. But at the same time, I was like, I'm so angry but I don't know what else to feel. Yeah. You just feel drained. And like you said, you don't know what else to feel. And, you know, and I think, though, at the same time, like, 
I feel like whenever these one of these things does happen and it's not like you weren't directly affected, whether, you know, like even if it doesn't happen anywhere close to you, like part of you feels that, you know, I'm lucky that it wasn't me. Like I feel bad, but I also feel happy that it wasn't me or my loved ones. Yeah. And so yeah. just dealing with those kind of different, you know, differing viewpoints and opinions is, yeah. It's just, oh, this episode was so good. This was a very powerful episode. Yeah. For sure. So, Brenna, any overall? Oh, well, wait. Well, the episode ends. Sorry. The episode ends with Goodwin talking to lawyer guy. And basically, or lawyer, sorry, Goodwin, not lawyer guy. Goodwin basically makes the case that they need, like, a brand new ED. And basically, if she's making the case for, like, a supercharged, fancy-ass, like, incredible equipment ED for season four, oh, I'm here for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because when Roland was talking about, um, like, when we were asking him, like, what he thought he saw, like, Noah's specialty in and whatever, and he was talking about, like, oh, I see Noah maybe working in, like, some high-tech whatever. Like, I was thinking about this scene and how it would be cool. Like, that would fit in with what Roland was talking about, like, if they did get a new ED. Although, I have a feeling they're not getting a new ED unless something blows up again, so. Yeah, touche. Med blows up again. After this episode, though, I don't even want to make jokes about Med blowing up again. I know. It's so sad, but, like, true, but, yeah. Yeah, so. Oof. So, yeah, Brenna, any other thoughts about this episode? This, I mean, I said it earlier and I'll say it again. This was one of Med's best episodes, if not their best episode this season. It was, yeah, it was very, very strong. Probably one of the best for sure. I yeah. can't wait to ask Jeff about this one. Yeah. So, so good. That's crazy. But yeah, I think that about wraps it up for episode 61. What do you think, Brenna? Yeah, I think that's it. So, as always, you guys know where to find us. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. It is meet us at Molly's right across the board. Email us anytime, guys. Meet us at Molly's at gmail.com. Like, we're serious. We talked about some heavy stuff tonight. Our inbox is a safe space. Safe space, we promise. You can talk to guys. You can talk to us about anything. Chicago shows, other shows, whatever you guys want to talk about. Um, follow us individually on Twitter. I am at Gina Watches TV, Bryna. I am at Bryna K13. Ashley is at Ashnick095, and I see no K. Um, I feel like we should plug Roland just because he's a BFF now. Um, yeah, he's Roland Buck the Third. It's Roland Buck III. He's a friend of the pod, and the Roland rule is now in effect. So, um, <laughs> yeah, that's about all we've got for tonight. So we will see you guys for PD or Fire. Well, PD is coming out on the same day. So if you haven't already checked out our PD episode, go do that. Um, But otherwise, we will see you on Monday for fire. We will indeed. So everybody have a good weekend. And we will see you then. Bye.